Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Yeah, we're, we're so glad that you're here anyway. Uh, but Pastor Chris, they're doing well. Uh, they made it over to Hong Kong and then over to Cambodia, and I'm going to put this over here because I'll knock it off of there. But uh, they, they made, made it over, everything's good, and uh, they actually, Pastor Chris preached uh, this morning at a church, and two people uh, received Jesus for the first time, so that was an awesome experience. So we just celebrate God for that, and, uh, and that's, why, you know, that's why he goes over there, to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, literally in Cambodia, one person at a time. That's our mission here at New Life, and uh, it's being fulfilled in this moment. But I want to welcome you here. We are in the middle of a series, like right smack dab in the middle of a series called You Are Here. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we're all on a journey in this life. Each and every one of us, we're all on a journey in this life. We're all heading somewhere. And the incredible thing is that God has spoken into history and has showed us where to go. And he teaches us how to live. And that's what this series is really all about. It's to help us recognize where we are on this journey in life and to identify how to grow into different stages of growth. And, and I want to review for you a little bit the first couple of weeks. The first week we talked about this, that all people start in one of two places when it comes to growing up in a spiritual walk. And the first two places, the first place is this, a place of disbelief in God that God doesn't exist or if he does exist, that we don't know him. And those two places represent the positions of atheism and agnosticism. So in other words, the person who says there is no God believes that there is no God. It takes a lot of faith to believe that there is no God, particularly when you look around at this world. But that is the position of atheism. Or the other person says, yeah, I, I, I believe that God might exist, but if he does exist, we certainly can't know him. And they base that off the fact that we can't, you know, physically go find him, touch him, talk to him, whatever. And, and, and so they, they come from that position of agnosticism. But not most people. Most people don't start in, in that place. Most people start in stage one. And we call stage one explorers. Now, explorers are people who know that there is something more to this life, that there's some significance, that there's a purpose to everything that happens here. And they are exploring that. They have a basic belief in God. In fact, let me give you the definition of an explorer, which we talked about in week one. Here's what it says. Explorers have a basic belief in God, but they are unsure about Jesus and his role in their lives. So in other words, in stage one, an explorer believes, has a basic belief in God, but they're just not quite sure about Jesus. Is Jesus real? Is, you know, if he is real, what does he have to do with my life? You know, what's, the, what's the big deal about Jesus? And so they begin to explore that, and they, they go different routes, and they look for things. But when they come into a, a position like we're in today, when, they, when they come to a worship experience, they are typically looking for five very specific things. And I want to share those things with you so that you can maybe recognize today, you might be an explorer in here today. And if you are, we're so glad that you're here. And here are the five things that explorers are looking for. Help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. They want to find out who Jesus is. And if he truly is who he said he is, how, why does that matter? Okay, number two, help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. They want to understand this book. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Or is it just an ancient uh, letter, letters that were written that have no meaning today? Number three, 
Church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. They want to see people who are walking the talk. In other words, they want to see if this is even possible. Because there's a lot of people who say, you know, God's real, Jesus is real, changed my life, and then they go and live a completely different way. So they want to see if it's actually real. Number five, or number four, compelling worship experiences. They want to come into an experience where they can, you know, at least recognize that the music was written in this century. And they want to be able to, uh, to recognize that, that, you know what, it's engaging. I can understand what they're saying. I can see the lyrics on the screen. I can kind of, you know, tap my foot to the music. I, I, I can be compelled in that worship experience. And then number five, they want to challenge to grow and take next steps. Because explorers always want to explore. They want to go to that next level. What does that look like? Where should I go from here? Okay, I've heard him say, you know, Jesus is real. Jesus impacted his life. I see that it's being lived out in his life. But, uh, but what can I do next? That's what explorers are looking for. Now, explorers, when they find what they're looking for in the person of Jesus, which, by the way, we will always hold up, that everything you are looking for in your life can be found in Jesus. And when we find that in Jesus, then we move into stage two. And stage two, which we talked about last week, is called believers. Stage two, believers have put their faith in Jesus. In fact, here's the definition. Believers have a personal relationship with Jesus. They've made a commitment to trust him with their soul's salvation and for eternity. But they are just beginning to learn what it means and what it takes to develop a relationship with him. So in other words, believers are people who have decided, I'm going to put my faith, my trust, my basically, you know, my life into the hands of Jesus. And I'm going to trust him to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And I'm going to lean into him. And so when they put their faith in Jesus, believers then begin to grow, but they're not quite sure how to grow yet. And they're still figuring it all out. But there are five basic things that believers are looking for, and here they are. Number one, help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. And that makes sense. They just kind of made that decision, or maybe they made that decision a while ago, but they want to continue to develop that relationship. That's what believers are looking for in the, in the number one spot. Number two, they want help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. It makes sense because a believer now will understand that God has revealed himself and his plan in his word. That's what the Bible's all about. And so to understand God better, to understand Jesus better, we've got to read about him, to know him. Number three, church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. Again, believers need mentors. They need people who will come alongside them and say, this is possible. You can grow from here to here to here, and you can, be, you can make a huge impact for the world because of your belief in Jesus. Number four, compelling worship experiences. They still want an experience where they can come together and they can worship Jesus in an exciting environment. Number five, challenge to grow and take next steps. Believers need opportunities to grow into next steps. They need opportunities to grow and to take next steps. And today, what we're going to talk about is stage three in disciples. And we're going to see some next steps that believers can take to move them into stage three as a disciple. And what we're going to recognize is that those steps that believers take to get into stage three are the same steps that people in stage three just keep repeating over and over and over again. And here's where we're going to see that in Mark chapter 8. Okay, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to pull it out. If you have a smartphone, uh, download version uh, or your favorite Bible app and navigate to Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at... Um, beginning in verse around 31, and we're going to look uh, through verses 38, 39. So I want to encourage you to follow along because this is the process 
that Jesus gave to his disciples to truly become a disciple and what it means to become a disciple. Now, a disciple can be summed up in two very basic words. Number one, personal. Personal. What does that mean? It means this, that disciples take their faith very personally, and they take personal responsibility to grow in their faith. Okay? So disciples, the difference, the primary difference between a disciple and just somebody who's just a believer is that their faith is very real to them. It's very, uh, it's very personal. And the second word that describes a disciple is public. The, their faith is very public. In other words, Jesus, they take Jesus wherever they go. So they take Jesus where they go to work. They take Jesus where they go to school. They take Jesus where they go to hang out. You know, they take Jesus home with them. They take Jesus everywhere because Jesus becomes their greatest treasure and reward. That's what it means to be a disciple, that it's very personal. Jesus is very personal to them, very public in their lives. And that's the way it has to be. And that's what we're going to see today in this passage in Mark chapter 8. Because Jesus lays out a very, very important process. Now, Jesus begins this whole thing with a question. He says to his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? He's asking his disciples that question. And his disciples began to give him answers. You know, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're so-and-so, you know, and, and, and you know, you're just this, this amazing guy, right? And then Jesus kind of honed it in a little bit further because Jesus really wasn't too concerned about what, what other people thought. He was mostly concerned about what the people who said they believed in him and were trusting him, they were really concerned about what, he was really concerned about what they thought about him. So he says, actually, no, 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 God, no. who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And, of course, there's a, there's a guy there. Uh, his name's Peter. Peter's a very energetic guy, and he pops up. He's always the kid with his hand up, you know, shaking it. I've got the answer, right? So, so Peter pops up, and he says, you're the Messiah, the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says to him, basically, very good, Peter. That's been given to you by my father that you might understand that. But there was a problem with Peter's answer. Because Peter didn't quite understand what Jesus had truly come to do. Because Peter, though he answered correctly that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the coming Christ, that, that Jesus was going to liberate people, you see, because that's what the Old Testament talks about in the Bible, that, that God had a plan to restore people, to liberate people. And Peter got it partially right. Because as Jesus began to explain what that actually looked like, Peter got a little mad. But we're going to see that this morning. So look at that, Mark chapter 8. Let's begin in verse 31. So after Jesus had asked the questions, Peter gave the right answer. Here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. So imagine this. You're, you're Peter. You're listening to Jesus explain what the Messiah actually is. And all of a sudden, he's saying that, you know, he's going to be, uh, he's going to tick off these religious leaders, which doesn't make sense because he's going, you know, supposed to unify the nation of Israel and then liberate Israel from its enemies and from its economic ties and all of these things and just set Israel free, finally. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of these people. They're going to crucify and kill me, and I'm going to rise from the dead. And Peter Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, come here, come here. He brings Jesus over and he says, Jesus, that's not going to happen. Come on. What are you talking about? You're the Messiah. You're going to liberate Israel. 
And Jesus then looks at Peter, and he says something pretty harsh. In fact, I hope nobody ever says this to you. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Get away from me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. You see, Peter was concerned about what he could get from this relationship with Jesus. But Jesus is concerned about liberating all people, not just Israel, all people, Israel included, that they might trust Jesus and receive freedom and be liberated and become believers and then disciples. And then next week we'll talk about spirit-led, that they could truly find what they've been looking for, which is a life that can only be found in Jesus. And so Jesus, seeing this moment, he knew it, it, it was a very important teaching moment. So he brought Peter back to the group and, and he said to everybody else, come here. And here's what happened in verse 34. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give, give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we actually have your words, that we can read them, that we can learn them, and that we can put them into action. And today, God, I pray that you would begin to do that inside of us that we would learn what it truly means to be disciples of you. And God, if we're not disciples, that, that we would truly learn what it means to put our faith, our trust, and belief in you, that you love us so much that you came here and died for us and set us free from sin, that we might be made right with you. And God, help us to take that very seriously today as we seek to worship you and to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this process that Jesus laid out here because that's exactly what he did. He was basically saying, you know, you, you guys have been with me for a while and Peter, Peter believes Jesus, but he didn't understand what was happening. So Peter needed some more encouragement. He needed some more training, some more teaching. And so Jesus begins to teach and, and he begins to show them what the process is to be a true disciple of him. And it says in verse 34, calling to his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower... Okay, so if, big if, there's a big if there, and it's a conditional statement, if we want to be followers of Jesus. Okay, he was saying it to the crowd, he's saying it to us, to, to us today, if we want to be followers of Jesus, look what he said, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. You must turn from your selfish ways, pick up your cross, and follow me. There are three very distinct things that if you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, that you have to do, and you have to begin doing, and it's a process. And that is to turn first, turn from your selfish ways. That means that when we get up in the morning, we're not going to immediately go serve ourselves. We're going to immediately say, okay, Lord Jesus, what would you have me do today? Thank you so much for life. Thank you that I woke up. Thank you for all that you've given to me. How can I serve you today? Now, now I understand that sounds a little bit silly, right? You wake up maybe and your head leaves the pillow and you might sit on the end of the bed and you might say, you know, Lord Jesus, whatever you have for me today, I understand. It sounds a little bit silly, but the reality is if we don't do something like that to get our minds, our hearts in check, then we will immediately start doing whatever it is that we're, we're called to do by habit. We're human beings. That's what happens. 
okay? So we have to check it right there. Immediately when we wake up, Lord Jesus, what do you have for me today? Turn away from my selfish ways because I want to serve Jesus. And then Jesus says, pick up your cross. Now, the cross is an image of death. And Jesus had to carry his cross all the way up to the, to the hill where he, was going to be, uh, where he was going to be crucified. And crosses back in the time of, of the Romans and his disciples and the crowd he was speaking to would understand this. It was heavy. It was a burden. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is, listen, turning from your selfish ways is going to be hard. It's going to be painful, but if we truly want to put things to death in our lives, turning from our selfish ways, we have to endure the crosses in our lives. We have to pick it up. We have to carry it, and man, it's hard. And then he says something very simple, follow me. See, Jesus already walked this road. He came here. He lived the perfect life. He lived a life that completely honored God. That's why only he could go to the cross and die for our sins. No person before or since has been able to do that. Only Jesus could do it because he was fully God and fully man, and he has walked the way. All we have to do is follow him. So if we want to be disciples, we have to turn away from our selfish desires and carry the load of that and follow Jesus. Then in verse 35, it says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Now, this is an incredibly important passage right here. Because what Jesus is doing is he's basically saying, listen, there are two ways to live in this world. You can live for yourself, and you can even fake it and tell people that you love me and that you're all about me, but really you're all about yourself, okay? That's one way. Or the other way is you can completely give yourself to me and be used by me, and you can have an incredible life, one you were designed for. He says, listen, if you live the first way, you're going to lose your life, and if you live the other way, you're going to gain everything. And I, and I want to tell you why that's so important. You know, Jesus was speaking to Jewish people, and, and the Jews had the Old Testament scriptures. And in the Old Testament, there was a specific word that was used many, many times, sojourn, or which also means pilgrimage, okay? And, and it was used several times in the Old Testament to mean this, that this life where we're at right here, it's a pilgrimage to the next life. In other words, the, the word actually means we live as kind of aliens in a foreign land, that's what the word means, that, that we're kind of aliens here on earth, that our home is not here, but our home is somewhere else after this life. And, and that's what Jesus is pointing to here. He's saying, listen, if you hold on to this pilgrimage as the be-all and end-all, you're going to be really disappointed because the life that comes next that I have truly designed for you, you will not receive it because you're holding on to what you have here. But Jesus says, but if you will pick up your cross, follow me, and you go with me. I will lead you on this pilgrimage through this life because, guys, this life's hard. I don't know if you know that or not, right? I don't have to tell you. This life's hard. And you follow him through this pilgrimage into the next life that he has planned for us. You know, the scriptures call that, that next life heaven or it's going to be a place where we're with God all the time. And, and that's that one side. The other side is hell. And hell is essentially this eternal separation from God. And we don't want that. And you don't want that, even for your own worst enemy. I don't want that for my own worst enemy. I want everybody to know Jesus, to know the love of Jesus, to know the purpose of Jesus, and to live into the purpose that God has put all of us here for, and to experience that together. And that's why this church exists, that we might share Jesus' new life with the world one person at a time. And that happens as we take Jesus, as we disciples take Jesus wherever we go, and we share him 
with the world because Jesus made very clear that there are two ways to live in this world. We can hold on to it, or we can let it go and follow Jesus. Okay? So, that's part of this process. Then, Jesus continues on. In verse 36, he says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, what Jesus was pointing out here is this. Guys, that, that, that's very real. That next life is very real. And your, your soul is going to move on to that next life. Your body, it's going gonna, it's gonna to die and, and, and waste away, but, but your soul is going to live on in the next life. And it'll either be in that place with Jesus and God forever or it'll be in a place where God is not forever. So which is better? I mean, Jesus asked this question over 2,000 years ago. That's a pretty incredible question even today. And I would just pose it to you. Is, it, is whatever it is that you're holding on to in your life right now, whatever's keeping you from being radically committed to Jesus, is it worth more than your soul? Is it worth more than your soul? And listen, I can't answer that for you. That has to be a decision that you make. And here's what I know. The person who puts their faith in Jesus and the disciple... The difference between the two is that question because it's incredibly difficult to give up things that you love for things that are better, but it doesn't seem like they're better. Okay? That's the biggest difference between a believer and a disciple. A disciple has given up the things. He's turned from their, he or she has turned from their selfish ways, picked up the cross, and followed Jesus. They're following Jesus through this life. That's what it means to be a disciple. Jesus continues on. In verse 38, he says, And if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. So in other words, Jesus kind of puts at the end of this process a, a very severe consequence. That if we who call ourselves followers of Jesus, if we do not show Jesus to the world, if we do not show Jesus to those with whom we live, work, and play, then we're just, we're, we're faking it because he's not really real to us. And listen, I want you to understand something, okay? Because I know in a crowd this size, there are a few of you who are like me, okay? I don't know if anybody knows what a Myers-Briggs profile is, but it's basically a personality test, okay? And if you've ever taken it, you know you get these crazy letters that you begin to kind of obsess over, and you start thinking like, oh man, I'm that, and this person's this, and that person's this, okay? I want to just tell you, what my Myers-Briggs per personality profile is an INTP, okay? What that basically comes down to is, um, in the world, I'm like that professor uh, who can't remember anything, okay? Okay, now, now that's like an INTP 100%. I'm not, a, I'm not an INTP 100%, okay? That's not me. But I am an I. Okay, and that's a very important thing. What an I means is introverted, okay? Now, you might think, whoa, what are you doing in front of people? Good question. Um, <laughs> all I can tell you is that the Lord, when he gives you gifts, he allows you to use them, okay? I, I'm mildly introverted, okay? And, and for some of you in here to go and take Jesus to people with whom you live, where you work, where you play, this is really, really intimidating, okay? Like, <laughs> Brad, I love Jesus with everything that I am, but I don't think I can do that. Here's the deal. I know. <laughs> I understand. It's hard. But the reality is if we walk in obedience to Jesus, just mentioning the name of Jesus to somebody and saying, you know what, I, I love Jesus. I trust Jesus with my life. Uh, I think you should too and run away. That might be enough. Okay? 
that might be all you need to say. The Lord might bring somebody else who can kind of help that person. Okay, now, now, Pastor Chris, he's an ENFP. Okay, what that means is like he's, a, he's like a playful tiger. Okay, he just wants to, you know, he likes playing, likes doing all these kind of crazy things. All right, but he's an E, so that means he's an extrovert. He loves being around people. He gets energized being around people. Okay, and, and so it's easy for him to start a conversation with somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and it's easy for some of you to start conversations with people who don't know Jesus. And, and so this is appealing to you, like, yeah, yes, finally, permission to go talk to my friends about Jesus. And here, if you need it, there it is, permission to go talk to your friends, okay? Go tell people about Jesus, because that's what disciples do. And, and it's hard if you're an I. It's not so hard if you're an E, but the reality is we're all called to do it in our own way, all right? So, so that's what disciples do. In fact, I want to share the take-home point with you today. All right, the take-home point says this. Disciples show Jesus to our friends. Disciples show Jesus to our friends. That's really what we do. We, we take our faith personally, and we want to show Jesus to our friends, as hard as it might be sometimes to do that. We want to show Jesus to our friends. All right, so let me give you then the official definition of a disciple, okay? that will help us understand. We had one for explorer. We had one for believer. Now I'm going to give you the one for disciples so that we can understand what it means. Disciples depend on Jesus every day. They see Jesus as someone who assists them in life. On a daily basis, they turn to him for help and for guidance for the issues they face. So in other words, a disciple takes Jesus everywhere they go. It doesn't matter if you're an I. It doesn't matter if you're an E. All that matters is that Jesus, he's in charge in here and he's going to pour out. Now, Jesus said, whatever's in the heart comes out of the mouth. That's an incredible thing, okay? Jesus said, whatever's in the heart reflects out of the mouth. And so if Jesus is in here, he's going to come out of here, okay? And if you're an I, eventually, all right? So just hang in there, okay? Keep trusting him. Keep asking him for empowerment, but he's going to come out. That's what disciples do. Disciples show Jesus to their friends. That's what we do. And there are five very specific things that disciples are looking for. Let's look at those things. Number one, disciples want help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. Now that makes a lot of sense because disciples are here trying to understand Jesus, trying to understand what it means to live like Jesus in this world, what it means to follow Jesus. That's what a disciple does. Remember, a disciple's following Jesus on this pilgrimage through this life. So how do we do that? Well, we open up this book and we learn. We read, we learn. Then, something very important. This is the part where everybody gets stuck. We do it, okay? And that's hard. Let me tell you why. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins the greatest sermon that has ever been preached, and the sermon was about uh, basically how to live, and Jesus said some very straightforward things, and he said this. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, okay? Yes, we've definitely heard that said, kind of, you know, not something most people struggle with, think we're going to be okay. And Jesus says, then, well, then I tell you, don't even look at a woman with lust in your heart, okay? At that point, he's probably looking at the men in the, in the, in the crowd. And so the men were like, well, that changes the game, right? That changes the game a little bit. So, so then Jesus moves on, and he says, you've heard it said, you should not murder. And then people said, yeah, we know. There are some people I'd love to kill, but I know I'd get in trouble, okay? So, so don't murder. And Jesus says, well, I'm telling you, I tell you, you should not even be angry with your brother. Whew. Well, that changes the game a little bit, huh? It's a little bit harder. Jesus said a little bit later, he said, hey, listen, don't be greedy. Don't live like this with your hands 
closed around the things in this life, but live like this, a generous life. Live free. In fact, there was a young man who came to Jesus one time and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I see you doing crazy things. I, man, I just, I want you. I want to be, I want to be with you. And, and Jesus says, okay, go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the man, he was a young man, went away discouraged because he knew he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that because his treasure was his treasure. And you see, for disciples, Jesus becomes our greatest treasure. He becomes our great reward in this life. That's what it means to be a disciple, that Jesus is above all in our lives. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in one of his letters, he said, this is incredible, I consider it pure joy to know Jesus above all, and I consider everything else garbage. Garbage. Everything else is garbage in comparison to knowing Jesus as Lord. And you see, that's what disciples begin to realize. That's why we begin to lay down our selfish desires, because we want Jesus more and more in our lives. So the first thing we have to do is we have to know how to live, know the Word. I love what Pastor John Piper says. He says that we need to be saturated with Scripture. And I love that image, because it's just like it just pours out of us, and we'll know how to live, and then we'll actually live that way. Okay, that's the first thing disciples are looking for. Number two, Help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. Just because we're disciples doesn't mean we stop growing. It means that we continue growing. Now, if any of you have ever been in any kind of relationship, you know that relationships take work, right? I've been married for eight and a half years now. It takes a lot of work. And here's the deal. I'm realizing I'm never going to stop growing in this relationship because there's a lot of stuff that's wrong with my wife, okay? (laughs) I'm going to hear about that one later. (laughs) <laughs> is she even in here? Dang it. <laughs> Shoot. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> Love you, baby. So, uh, so no, I'm just kidding. There's a, there are a lot of things that are wrong with me, okay? And I'm realizing that more and more and more as, I'm, as I've been in this relationship more and more and more. It takes a lot to eventually give control to Jesus, just as I'm giving myself to my wife. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard, but she'll offer a piece of advice, and it's good advice, and at first, I don't like it. Okay, and some of you know what that's like. But then you realize, I guess they're right. After you think about it, digest it, and that's what it's like. We read this word. We grow in our relationship with God because we realize, man, I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing that I shouldn't be angry. I don't like hearing that I shouldn't be greedy. I don't like hearing that I shouldn't be prideful. But it's true. And here's the, here's the deal, guys. When we live the way that Jesus called us to live, we're going to discover a life that we didn't think was possible here. A life of peace and joy. It's incredible. It's the life we've always wanted. Number three, church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. We continue to want to see church leaders who are growing and, and basically saying, hey, you can do it. And I'm here to tell you today, you can do it. Keep going. You can do it. Keep going. No matter what you're facing, you've got the God of the universe behind you. And you've got Jesus with you and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can do it. Okay, and we're going to do our very best to help you to know Jesus, to experience more of him in your life and to make him the hero of your life. Number four, challenge to grow and take next steps. Disciples want challenge to grow. We want to grow up. We want to know Jesus better. We want to take those next steps. And I want to tell you two very specific ones you can get involved with right now. Next week, small groups start. Okay, 
Next week, small groups start, and this ties into the very last point, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but, but if you want to be a part of a small group, and this is a great way to take a next step, okay? All you have to do is go to New Life's website, newlifexn.org. There's a button at the bottom of the page that says, find a small group. Click on that button. It'll take you to another page where you punch in your zip code, and then it brings up a list of groups. And here's the deal. There are a lot of groups on there. There are groups for men. There are groups for women. There are groups for moms. There are groups. There's a, a, a group of, of uh, young people who are going to dance. And I think that's awesome. So there are a lot of groups that you can get plugged into. And I would encourage you to do that, to take that next step, because that will be a place in a small group where you can share life together and you can grow. And it kind of ties into number five, encouragement to take personal responsibility for spiritual growth. That's really what sets the disciple apart from a believer. A believer wants to get involved in things, but they need help growing. But a disciple takes personal responsibility to grow. Okay? The second thing I wanted to mention, Pastor Chris writes a blog every day on our website called One to One. It is a blog all about discipleship. It is designed from week one to week 52 to take somebody through a complete discipleship track. But here's the really cool thing. Pastor Chris writes like four or five days on, on content, stuff we can learn. And then there, there are two or three days, depending on, on the week, of application. So it's not just head knowledge, heart knowledge. It's actually going and doing it. And I would encourage you to get involved with that. And you could subscribe to that in a, in a reader, whatever you want to do, so that you don't miss one of those every day. And it's a great experience to take that next step to take personal responsibility because there's scripture, practical application, you can do it. And then you can do that in small groups. You can do that with your family. You can do it wherever you want, okay? But basically, disciples take personal responsibility for their growth. Now, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's really uncomfortable at times. Now, let, me t let me tell you a story. When I was younger, I wrestled for like two years, okay? Now, I never went to any matches because I would never be seen in one of those leotards, okay? <laughs> I don't even care. Never, ever. I've always been kind of a bigger guy. I didn't want to see myself in that thing, okay? So, so I went to all, all of the practices, but I never went to a match, okay? I know. It, it sounds stupid, okay? But my coach never said anything to me, so maybe I was really bad. But anyway... I, I, I was wrestling, so, so I began this process of wrestling, and, and it was really hard because we had to do things I'd never heard of, like lift weights. Um, man, ouch. So, you know, and then we had to do things like sit-ups and push-ups and, you know, weird things. I don't know. So you start doing all this stuff, and all of a sudden, my body's starting to hurt, and I'm like, I don't like this. And my coach is like, you can do it. Come on, let's go. We can do this. And, and so I would, I would begin to, you know, I began to do it. And I did it for, for a couple of years. But one time in particular, I remember after I'd wrestled the first year, probably a couple of months into it, all of a sudden I could do things I'd never been able to do before. Okay. And this is, one was just incredible. All right. So I went home after practice one night and I go into the kitchen. And my mom and dad were standing there and I said, mom, dad, you've got to watch what I can do. So I laid down on the floor and I put my feet behind my head. It was awesome. At least I thought so. so. So now, my parents see me doing that, and I, that's not possible if I hadn't been working out and doing all that stuff. And, uh, and, and here's the deal. I mean, if I was my parents, I'd be like, oh my, please don't ever do that again. You know? So as a parent now, I understand what it means to get rid of your selfishness, right? Because you're looking at that going, oh my, please don't ever, 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 ever do that ever again, and never do that as an adult. Okay, so... So point taken. But, but the reality is, is this, that it took a lot of uncomfortability to get to that point. 
And the same is true spiritually. It takes, it takes work, guys, to get from believer to disciple. And it's hard work. It's not easy. Because it means laying down the desires of our hearts for the desires of his heart. And that's hard. And that's why Jesus referred to it as picking up our cross and carrying it. I love what Pastor Rick Warren said. Pastor Rick Warren said this, that we become what we're committed to in life. We become what we're committed to in life. And we could say it this way. The difference really between a believer and a disciple is one word, obedience. Basically, treasuring the things that Jesus did and said over anything else in this world. That we are personal. We take personal responsibility. Our, our faith is personal to us, and it's public. But here's what I know. Human beings struggle with this very, very much. Giving up our own wants and desires for God's wants and desires, which, by the way, are so good for us. It's incredible. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity between you and Jesus right now in this, in this very intimate moment, just between you and him. I'm going to have you bow your heads, not yet, but in a minute, I'm going to have you bow your heads and just give him, lay at the foot of the cross, whatever it is that is keeping you from being radically committed to Jesus. And here's what I think is going to happen. There are going to be some of us in here today who have to have a hard conversation with somebody else. We're going to have to end a relationship. We're going to have to maybe start a relationship. We're going to have to maybe uh, start giving of our time, and our, our money, and our talents on a schedule that pff, just not even possible. Because here's what I know. Disciples, if you want to be a disciple in stage three, it means treasuring Jesus above all and obeying him. And that means making hard decisions that will lead to radical commitment to him. So go ahead, close your eyes, bow your heads. And in this moment, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to your heart what it is that you need to give to him. That he might cast it as far as the east is from the west. That you would experience his love in this moment. And that you would know above all else, God is for you loves you. He has a relationship with you if you've trusted him. And he wants you to grow up today. So whatever it is in your life right now that, that he's shown to you, would you just give it to him? Just say, Jesus, this is yours. It is not mine. Just give it to him in this time.
Lord Jesus, we take what has been given to you today and we ask you to get rid of it and help us to make you our great treasure. God, if there's someone here today for, for the very first time are saying yes to you, are saying, I trust you, Lord Jesus, for the very first time in my life, and I ask you now to be my king, to be my God, to be my Lord, my Savior. God, would you just meet them where they're at right now? Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit and let them know that you love them so much, that you have a beautiful plan for their life? God, for those who have committed to you in here today, who are seeking to move from believer to disciple or just seeking to be a stronger disciple and getting ready to move to spirit-led, Lord Jesus, I pray that right now you would take these things that have been given and just, God, cast them away, that we might worship you and give you all the honor and the praise in our life, that you would truly become our, our Lord, that we will listen to you that we will do what you have called us to do, that we will walk in obedience to you. And so, God, we thank you, and we give you praise for all that you're doing in this moment. And, God, I pray that you would continue to do it from here and through that, throughout this week, every day as we get up. Help us to have a moment like this where we just give it to you, that we would lay aside our selfish ways and honor you first. In Jesus' name. I want to share with you the commitment for today. It says this, I will not be ashamed of showing Jesus to others in my life. Believers, believers are, are still learning how to do that, but disciples, they know not to be ashamed of showing Jesus wherever they go. And so I would encourage you as you go out today, know this, this is what Jesus said before he ascended back into heaven. He said these words, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, God of the universe, is with you no matter where you go. Show him to others that they might know him and experience him as well.